Hollow Mountain Publishing presents The Pond, book one of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 28 Letting Go Katie looked down, fumbling with her fingers. She thought about the night she turned into a wolf. She was so scared and helpless. If a were-animal appeared and gave her an ultimatum like that, what would she have done? She shook her head. She hated to admit it, but she would have said yes to life. She would have become a seeker like Jackson and joined him. She thought about Sam, so strong in her beliefs. Everything was always black or white. That was the main reason she never told Sam about Jackson in the first place. She instinctively knew Jackson was a gray area Sam would never accept. She closed her eyes, her friend's face appearing in her mind. Even now, she could picture Sam in a disapproving stance. She would tell her to stay away from evil, even the appearance of evil. Sam was dead. The ache in her chest intensified. She would never get the chance to try and persuade her of Jackson's plight. It was just her, Katie, making the decision. She knew what her answer would be. Jackson in her life seemed right. When she thought he had betrayed her, she was lost. He had helped her through so much. Glancing up, she realized he had gotten up and was once again leaning up against the wall. He was trying not to show any emotion, but it was vibrating throughout his body. She took a deep breath. Jackson, you have my vote. Making a loud whooping sound, he gathered her up and twirled her around. Both of them laughed as he placed her on the floor. You won't regret this, I promise. It's going to be hard to convince the others. You're their leader, Jackson answered cheerfully. I know you can convince them. I'm not the leader. Katie stressed. Sam was the leader. No way, Jackson laughed confidently. I listen to your conversations regularly. You didn't listen very closely, Katie tried to stress again. Sam was always the natural leader. I always looked to her and enforced what she said. Jackson stopped and looked intently at her. What are you trying to tell me? I saw the spirit of the great white tiger leave her when she died. She was supposed to be our leader. Deflated, Jackson sat down on the bed. Sam was the great white tiger? He asked, not really wanting an answer. Are you thinking the great white tiger might not accept me? Katie sat watching Jackson as different emotions flitted across his face. Jackson shook his head in confusion. Do you know how I found you? Katie shrugged. I just assumed, her voice trailed off. How did you find me? I heard a noise outside. I came out to investigate. The great white tiger was standing about 50 yards off. As soon as it saw me, it turned and ran. I followed and then found you. Jackson got up and started pacing. The tiger could have gone to anyone on your team, but she came to me to save you. There must be a reason, Katie. He grabbed her arms. The tiger wanted me to save you. Can you see that? Katie nodded quietly. This is important. I can feel it, Jackson said excitedly. I just have to figure it out. Katie looked around, feeling exhausted. How long ago was the accident? 
Jackson glanced over. Four days ago, he said distractedly. What? Horrified, Katie covered her mouth with her hand. Oh, no! My mom! She glanced around the small room. I have to get out of here! My mom is going to be so upset! Are you sure you want to leave? Katie turned frantic to get out of the small cabin. My mom will be so upset! Realizing what he asked, she turned to face him. Jackson, I have to go! I know, he shrugged. It was just nice having someone else around. Things are going to be different, Jackson. You're not going to be alone for very much longer, Katie assured him. She looked around the small room. Do I have any of my stuff here? No, I could only carry you. Realizing how much he must have struggled to save her, Katie reached out and hugged him. Thank you, Jackson. I owe you my life. Jackson felt stiff in her arms for a moment before wrapping his arms around her and holding her tight. You don't have to thank me, Katie. I would do anything for you. When he released her, she stepped back. How do I get home? The easiest way is for you to change. I can't change. I've tried. I don't know what's wrong with me. Jackson studied her for a moment. I have a pretty good guess. Katie stopped eyeing him closely. She folded her arms, waiting patiently for him to continue. Jackson leaned back against the wall in his usual spot. The emotions you have been carrying around with you? The spirit animal does not know how to handle them. In fact, I believe they are slowly destroying the spirit inside of you. I don't understand. Betrayal, guilt, grief, anger, and self-hatred. Jackson ticked him off with his fingers. What does a spirit animal know about any of them, Katie? When grief envelops your soul, it incapacitates me. I'm miles away from you. How can the wolf inside of you handle it? Katie sat back down on the bed. I don't understand. How does it incapacitate you? There have been times when I was in panther form without any warning at all. I felt a grief so intense I could not hold my animal form. I turned human. He shook his head. It was pretty uncomfortable until I could figure out how to keep warm, despite your emotions. I cannot control how I feel, Katie rushed out angrily. Yes, you can, Katie. You can't stamp feelings into submission as you've been doing, because they'll come out unexpectedly and swamp you. I don't know how to do anything else. Jackson pushed off the wall and came closer. I don't think you have cried. He was looking into her eyes. I would have felt the release, Katie. The emotions build up to a point, and then you crush them into submission. You need to let go. He touched her cheek. When the emotions come on, let them wash over you, so you can release them. The wolf inside of you will then be able to recover and protect you better. Katie could feel the knot in her chest rising to her throat. Looking into Jackson's eyes, she almost let it happen. A reflex she didn't know she possessed, grabbed the knot and jammed it back into her chest, where it burned. Jackson turned, but not before she saw the disappointment in his eyes. I'm trying, Jackson. Nodding, he kept his eyes averted. Grabbing his coat, he gave it to her. We've got a long, slow walk ahead of us. I suggest we get going. Jackson wasn't kidding about the long walk. It took three hours before they came upon a small, rutted road. Most of the way, she stumbled and slid on the muddy terrain. 
She would have fallen several times if Jackson hadn't been there to grab her. She was exhausted by the time they came to the road. It took a while for her to notice a camouflage Hummer. It was parked blocking everything in its path. Relieved she didn't have to walk anymore, Jackson helped her into the large vehicle. Katie closed her eyes and was fast asleep within minutes. Jackson gently shook her awake. Opening her eyes, she realized she was in her driveway. Slowly rising, she looked around. She stumbled out of the vehicle, but Jackson was there to help her up the drive. She was so tired. She stood there for a few moments, not really knowing what she should do. Jackson reached over and knocked on the front door. Her mother opened the door and let out a scream. She vaguely registered her mother was crying and laughing at the same time. She dumbly watched as Jackson was enveloped in a bear hug. It wasn't long before her mother had her back in a car racing to the hospital. She tried to tell her mother she was fine, but she was just too tired to care. Closing her eyes, she let sleep claim her once more. The next several hours were a blur. She got so tired of questions being thrown at her, she stopped talking altogether. Ignoring everyone, she closed her eyes and tried to sleep. Eventually, she was placed in the hospital room for observation. She wanted to bite a nurse's head off when she was woken up to take a sleeping pill. Katie opened her eyes, looking around. She realized she was still in a hospital room. Her mother was asleep in a chair next to her bed. Reaching out, she touched her mother's hand. She watched her mother slowly open her eyes. I'm so sorry. The car. I think it's totaled. I was driving too fast. I lost control. Her mother's smile trembled with emotion. I thought I'd lost you. Her mother covered her hand. I don't care about the car. I wish I never bought it. You know about the wreck? Her mother nodded, her frame shaking. I was frantic when you didn't come home. I started calling all your friends. David told me what transpired in front of the diner. He said you drove out of the parking lot and almost lost control then. He told the sheriff what road you took. Her voice trembled. It didn't take long for the sheriff to find your car. Her mother stopped to compose herself. He said there was no way you could have survived the crash. They had search teams looking all over trying to find your body. Her mother paused, tears spilling onto her cheeks. I don't know why the rangers were called on the scene. I called Forrest. He told me several different large animal tracks were found around your car. One had drag marks where they think you were carried away. They started hunting, trying to find what was left. Katie sat horrified as she realized what her mother went through. I'm so sorry, Mom. I'm so sorry. She got off the bed and embraced her mother. She felt her mom give in to her emotions. Sitting back, she watched the tears roll down her mother's cheeks. When was the last time she cried? She reached up and touched her dry eyes. Why couldn't she cry? Katie looked up when she heard the door open. Sheriff Tate came walking into the room. Letting go of her mother, she faced the sheriff. How long is this going to take, she wondered to herself. Defiantly, she folded her arms and eyed the sheriff warily. Every question he asked was met with complete silence. Her mother tried to get her to answer. She turned to her mom, softly patting her hand, but would not say a single word. Katie watched the sheriff get up, frustration and anger in his features. She watched him pull out a small book and started filling it out. She couldn't believe it when he handed her a citation. 
She wondered vaguely how much it was going to cost her. She thanked him sarcastically. Her mother, giving her a warning look, followed him out. She got up and started looking around for her clothes. Finding them, she was completely disgusted by how much blood and mud was caked all over them. She promptly threw them in the trash. She looked around for something else to wear. She was delighted when Jackson walked in, holding the shopping bag. I thought you might want some clothes. Smiling, she grabbed the bag. Thanks. I would have been here sooner, but I saw you had company. Smiling, she headed for the bathroom. Yeah. What did you say to him? Jackson asked casually, referring to the sheriff. Nothing. What kind of nothing? I mean, I didn't say anything at all to him. Jackson cocked his head and smiled. So you took the Fifth Amendment to a whole new level. Chuckling, she shut the door in Jackson's face. She then showered and changed. Coming out of the bathroom, she paused when she saw her mother eyeing Jackson warily. How did you say you found Katie? Her mother was asking in a too sweet of a voice. Jackson folded his arms and leaned up against the wall. Katie could tell he was trying to figure out what to say. He didn't want to offend her mother, but he also didn't want to answer any questions. She wished she could communicate to him with her thoughts. Walking into the room, she distracted her mother enough to watch Jackson slip out of the room. I'm ready. Ready for what? Her mother asked cautiously. To go home. She could see her mother start shaking her head. Before her mom started talking about doctor's orders, she decided she needed to take control of the situation. Mom, I'm fine. All the tests came back fine, didn't they? She didn't want to play her ace, but her mom kept insisting she stay in the hospital. Finally, getting tired of the argument, she played it. I'll just get Jackson to take me home. I'm sure he's just outside the door. Her mother frowned, argued a little longer. But 15 minutes later, Katie was in the car on her way home. Pulling into the drive, her mother had to go around the large Hummer. Katie casually looked around for Jackson. He didn't seem to be around. Walking up the drive, she saw the note on the door. Keep the Hummer as long as you want. I hope it keeps you safe. Jackson. Her mother read the note, her frown deepening. Katie wasn't surprised when her mother turned to face her. Who is this Jackson? How long have you known him? Mom, I know you're worried, but Jackson is my friend, she tried to explain. Who gives someone an expensive car like that? He didn't give it to me. He's just letting me use it. I'm sure he'll ask for it back in a couple of days. Her mother sighed and rubbed her eyes. Katie could see she was exhausted. Walking over to her, she gave her another hug. Mom, you're exhausted. Go to bed. I'm sure things will not look so bad once you've had some rest. Katie could tell how tired her mother really was when she nodded and walked back to her room. She sat down and waited patiently for her to fall into a sound sleep. An idea had been forming ever since her mother's emotional release in the hospital. Glancing up at the clock, she saw it was past 10 a.m. Katie quietly left the house and got into the Hummer, starting the vehicle. The engine purred softly. She drove the familiar route she had taken hundreds of times, pulling into the driveway of the black home. She wasn't surprised when it appeared empty. Sunday morning meant every member of the black family was at church. Getting out of the vehicle, she paused. She could imagine Sam opening the front door, bouncing down the steps to greet her. The memory created an ache in her chest. 
Getting out of the vehicle, she stood for a moment. She relived hundreds of little moments. She loved this house and the people who made it such a loving home. She slowly walked up the steps and opened the screen door. Reaching down, she felt the knob, as always, unlocked. The old familiar scent of her favorite hangout drifted out. Stepping into the living room, she saw the walls covered with pictures of the black family in various ages. She stepped into the kitchen. The table was littered with empty bowls of cereal, the gallon of milk still sitting on the table. She could imagine Mrs. Black scolding the kids for leaving the milk out again. Walking over, she grabbed the gallon, opened the fridge, and placed it on the rack. She turned back around. There were the stairs leading to Sam's room right in front of her. Walking up the steps, she paused before slowly pushing the door open. She didn't know what she expected, but it came as a shock for the room to be exactly the way Sam had left it. The bed was unmade, as if Sam had just gotten up that morning. A sweater was tossed on the floor. A book bag was dumped in the corner, with books and folders strung out as if she was in a hurry. Katie slowly drifted into the room. Reaching down, she picked up the sweater. Rubbing it with her fingers, she sat down on the bed. Lifting it up to her face, she could still smell Sam's essence. The hard knot in her chest lifted to her throat. Trying not to fight the feeling, she slowly glanced up. He was standing in the doorway, watching her intently. Dressed in a white shirt and tie, she always thought David handsome in his Sunday clothes. She looked down at the sweater, the knot still lodged in her throat. Unable to stop herself, she lifted the sweater again to her face. The moment she smelled Sam, tears welled up in her eyes. I miss her. She forced through her tight throat. I miss her so much it hurts. Tears glistened in her eyes. She looked up, her eyes so blurry she barely could make out David's face. He reached out to touch her. The moment his fingers touched her cheek, the dam broke inside of her. Tears came in a torrent. David took a couple of steps closer. He reached his arms around her, holding her tight, unable to stop the raw emotion engulfing her. She cried for her best friend, who would never grow old. The missed opportunity of a courageous spirit. The complete waste of a beautiful person. I need her in my life. She was my anchor. I don't know how to go on without her. David quietly held her. Until her emotions were finally bent. Getting up, he left the room. Coming back he handed her a box of tissues. Her eyes felt gritty as she quickly blew her nose. Sitting back down on the bed, he leaned up against the headboard. He pulled her down to lie next to him. He softly stroked her hair. It's not your fault. Nobody blames you, Katie. She shook her head, automatically denying his words. I could have. It's not your fault. She wouldn't have wanted you to take the blame this way, Katie. Katie thought of her friend. Her thoughts tried to shy away from the hurt as a picture of her friend peered in her mind. She imagined Sam telling her off like she did after the disastrous basketball game. I no longer have her around. to Tell me what's right. The tears close to the surface started spilling over again. I wish it were me. David's arms tightened around her. We just went through almost losing you, Katie. 
I thought I'd lost you too. I... He stopped talking and held her tightly. I can't lose you too, Katie. There's only so much. He stopped, took a couple of swallows. Promise me you won't do anything like that again. I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking, Katie tried to explain. David touched his finger to her lips. No more apologies, Katie. I need promises and smarter actions. He reminded her so much of Sam. Tears again slid down her cheeks. I promise, she said hoarsely. David snuggled down and got a little more comfortable. Do you know what I regretted most when I thought you were no longer going to be around? No, I never asked you out. What? She pulled away from him. He pulled her back down beside him. I knew you liked me. He stated in an honest, direct way she always associated with the black family. Katie buried her heated face in his chest. When you stopped coming around, I missed you. I discussed it with Sam, what I could do to make you more relaxed around me. He shrugged. She told me to stay away from you until you felt more comfortable. It seemed to take an incredible amount of time, so I decided to take matters into my own hands. He twined her hands with his. Now I have a second chance. Would you go to prom with me? Prom? Surprised, Katie lifted her head and stared at him, dumbfounded. Yes, he said with a smile. I know it's early but I have to ask before someone jumps in before me. A warm glow enveloped her, nodding her acceptance. She laid her head on his chest. For the first time in months, Katie was finally at peace. Katie closed her eyes and felt content. David continued to stroke her hair. How did Sam die, Katie? Shock jolted through her body. Jumping up, she eyed David suspiciously. Were you just really nice to me because you wanted to... To know how she died? She stumbled over the words. Frustration and annoyance danced across David's face. I have a right to know how my sister died, Katie. He jumped off the bed, facing her. I was not just being nice to get information from you. Still suspicious, Katie folded her arms defensively. Frustrated, David rubbed his fingers through his hair, reminding her of Jackson. I have always cared about you. Even when you're a snot-nosed five-year-old running around here like you own the place, I was nice to you. That's because your mom said you had to, or you would be grounded. I overheard the conversation. David raised his eyebrows. You heard that, huh? He sat back down on the bed, his shoulders hunched over in defeat. Nobody comes in here. Everything's different. My mom cries all the time. My dad never speaks at all. Katie lowered her head and stared at the floor. Sheriff Tate thinks you're all at the cabin having a big party. Shocked, Katie quickly looked up with denial on her lips. My parents are all thinking the worst. Since nobody's willing to say what they were actually doing there, that's a confirmation. You know Sam, David. She wouldn't have put up with any of that. Yeah, I know. But I see no plausible reason for you to be there either. Feeling cornered, Katie felt the urge to flee. I gotta go. Turning quickly, she reached for the door handle. David moved so fast, she didn't realize he was directly behind her until his arms wrapped around her tightly. Don't leave unless you promise to come back. She leaned back her head against his chest, reveling in his touch. She didn't want to deny him anything. I promise. I'm sorry if I pushed too hard, Katie. There's going to have to be a time when we are told what exactly happened. You do see that, don't you? Katie bowed her head, not really wanting to leave, 
but not wanting to tell him anything either. With a sigh, David let her go. I'll walk you outside. David opened the front door, allowed Katie to walk out first. Smiling at his genuinely behavior, she hadn't noticed the dark figure leaning up against the Hummer. David and Katie saw Jackson at the same time. She stopped in surprise while David stepped forward, his hand outstretched. Jared, isn't it? Jackson sauntered closer, ignoring the outstretched hand. His eyes had a devil-may-care attitude that rubbed Katie the wrong way. Fearing what he may do in front of David, she stepped in between the two. Jackson, I'd like you to meet Sam's older brother, David. Jackson's attitude immediately changed. A haunted look entered into his eyes as he looked back at the black home. Katie knew David was too intelligent not to notice the change. You knew my sister? Agitated, Jackson rubbed his fingers through his hair. Yes. Turning, he started walking back towards the Hummer. David followed close behind him. Were you there when she was killed? Jackson opened the door of the Hummer. Yes. Was it a random animal attack? David asked relentlessly. Jackson walked back, grabbed Katie by the hand, and pulled her mercilessly towards the vehicle. When she tried to climb in, her aching muscles protested. He picked her up unceremoniously and threw her into the passenger seat. No. Katie struggled to right herself as her legs dangled outside precariously. Was it an accident? No. Jackson quickly walked to the driver's side and opened the door. Was she murdered? Yes. Climbing up, Jackson slammed the door. He jammed it into gear and backed away. Katie turned to see David's white, stormy face disappear as they drove out of sight. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. I hope you've enjoyed this week's chapter of The Pawn, the first book in the Appalachian Storm series. Until next week, and our imaginations meet again, have a great day.